0: Following up is underrated, underutilized, underappreciated. Following up is what separates the average people from the winners. It's always in the follow-up.
1: Hey, friend. It's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn. Here at Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's guest is Molly Beck. Molly is the author of a book called Reach Out, the founder of Messy.fm, a podcasting company for organizations. In this conversation, you will learn about reaching out, the benefits of following up, the benefits of podcasting, personal projects, and so much more. Molly is also a course co-creator with Carly Valanci, um, Carly was a prior podcast guest in episode 140. So after you're done listening and enjoying this episode, go check out that episode as well with Carly Valancey, episode 140. So if you're looking for tactical advice on how to build relationships over email, expand your network, and and create personal projects that um, expand your career opportunities, this episode is for you. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available On my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com, there you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Molly. Um, Molly, welcome to the show.
0: David, thank you so much for having me on. I love your show. Love the guests you've had in the past and like really honored to be a guest today. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Yeah. Well, um, thanks for being here. And thanks for writing your book called Reach Out, um, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, one thing I'm curious about is, um, you know, people start off with New Year's resolutions, and they kind of fall flat. Um, I kind of I loved what you did to start off your year. And um, maybe, you know, as a following up with people that did not uh, that that wanted to say let's catch up later. Uh, So maybe like January 4th or something like that. I feel like you might've done something special. Maybe talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Sure. So over the past year of 2020, whenever someone said like, hey, this isn't a fit right now, whether they were talking about a project I wanted to do with them, something I wanted them to buy from my company, just like get together for a Zoom. Anytime someone said, hey, don't have space right now, but like, let's catch up in the new year. I just added their name to a list. And then the weekend before the first working day of 2021, I had a list of probably like 150 people that had said that. And I went through the list and people that I still wanted to connect with or that we hadn't already had a a communication before then. I wrote an email to them, drafted the email, um, scheduled it to go out and scheduled it to go out at... 909. I always do my emails when I schedule them to come out at like the same number twice. Cause if someone is, um, into like numbers and stuff, usually it's a good sign if it's the same number twice. So I scheduled all the emails to go out for 909 AM on the first working day of the year being like, Hey, you said we want to connect in 2021, happy 2021. Let's pick up this conversation. Yeah. And then I got a lot of responses back on the first working day (laughs) of the year.
1: (laughs) Is it fair to say that like, like following up is
0: underrated following up is underrated underutilized underappreciated following up is what separates the average people from the winners it's always in the follow up and it can be awkward to follow up it can be uncomfortable to follow up actually if you felt comfortable david i would love for you to tell the story of how i followed up with you and then we ended up on this podcasts together, Would do you want to tell the story of how you and I met? Cause it, I think it's a good example of, it's not, I don't really love sending tons of cold emails. I don't really love following up with people, but that's how everything happens from being a guest on someone's podcast to multi-million-dollar deals. So how did you and I meet? <laughs>
1: um, the beauty and the beast of uh, having prep conversations before we start recording. Um, so here we go. So uh, on Twitter, in 2020, um, there was a thread discussing why um, podcasting for companies, um, especially during 2020 uh, around the summer 2020 when more and more people were working remote uh, due to the pandemic and, and and a couple other factors and someone uh, another podcast producer had mentioned, hey, I think it'd be a great idea for this time that people, uh, that companies should start podcast for team building, for you know sharing resources, et cetera. And it's been an idea that I'd been kind of noodling on, um, uh, just like in the back of my mind as a podcast producer, not really sure how to um, uh, execute that or if I wanted to do so or not. So I think I re- replied and just said, oh, that's a great idea. It's something I've been thinking about. think there's tons of value in it. Um, then you messaged me on LinkedIn and said, Hey, I saw that you, uh, that you replied to this. This is what my company does. You know, maybe we should collaborate or maybe we should do something. And uh, I said, thanks for the idea. Thanks for introducing yourself. I'm not like great to hear more. Let's, let's keep in touch kind of thing. And then through some other, Uh, contextual and well-thought-out messages um, than being about your book and how it's connected to my show. Um, And then um, the Reach Out Party um, was uh, co-founded by you and Carly Valancey, And Carly was a prior guest on the show. Kind of brought us here.
0: Love it. Okay. So just from my point of view, I see somebody on Twitter that does a post about what my company does. Probably like a hundred people replied to her tweet. She has a large following. I went through every single one, everyone. I either found them on Twitter, found them on LinkedIn, sent them a message. That's really not that fun to do. It feels awkward. It feels really salesy. It feels a lot of people don't respond or they're like, no, not interested. It's not that fun. But then out of probably the hundred people that replied to that tweet, maybe 20 of them, we had like a back and forth, like you and I did. And then I kept following up and I saw that you had a newsletter that was about something that I'd written a book on. So I like followed up with that again. It would be very easy at any point in that conversation for you to be like, this person's sort of bothering me. And even if you didn't think that me sending those messages, I think, okay, maybe I'm somewhat bothering this person, but The end of the story is like, we weren't bothering each other. We were just starting a friendship and now we're on this podcast. I'm sure we'll have this great conversation. And then who knows how we'll work together. The initial thing I reached out to you for, Hey, maybe you want to use my company services has not come to pass yet. At the end of the day, it just hasn't come to pass yet, but like, who knows where it could lead together. And just wanted to tell that story to emphasize that, yes, I've written a book about networking but it's still awkward and uncomfortable for me too. But following up and building the relationships is how everything gets done. So original question, yes, follow-uppers of the world are the ones that win or at least have a better shot of winning than those that don't.
1: Is there a way to, like, we talked about my example, but are are there other ways to, or other tactics or other, templates or other ways to like what a good follow-up looks like, or there's hmm. a framework that says like, you know, like, you know, there's like smart goals, right? People know what a smart goal is. Is there anything about following up that people could say, this is my, you know, quick strategy?
0: Yeah. My two tips for following up would be always reply to the original thread, whether that's if it's threaded for you, cause it's on social, it sounds like we were on LinkedIn Or is it threaded for you because you're replying to the original email? It just shows somebody that you've been attempting to build a relationship with them for a while. And then every time you follow up, you stay away from like, hey, just following up or like, hey, just bumping this to your inbox. When you follow up, then you always give additional value. So when I followed up originally, I still thought that you were maybe potentially a client of Messy FM. That was like my ultimate goal was I didn't really know much about what your work situation was, but I wanted your company, whatever it was, to be a client of messy. But when I followed up, I wasn't like, hey, just following up. Have you thought about doing internal podcasting? I was like, hey, I saw your newsletter has to do with my book. Maybe there's like, I was trying to add additional value of ways that we could work together. I was trying to show you that we had common interests, was trying to make it seem like that I was someone that you would like as a person because people that you like as a person, you're much more likely to do transactional business with. Mm
1: -hmm. And and, and following up uh, is also just one of the reach out ideas or types of reaching out. Um, You wrote a book called Reach Out. um, I think maybe started this kind of practice in 2012, 2013,
0: around there. Right around Uh, there. Mm -hmm.
1: And um, maybe just give a quick, uh, quick, quick, quick overview about how a daily email or something like that could uh, help people.
0: You know, we've all reached out to someone in our lives, our moms, neighbors, best friend. We've perhaps asked for a job. We've asked someone for advice. But the real secret to having a large network or community around you is just just, just putting a system around networking. And the system that I put around networking back in 2012 was every morning at 915, I would send one email to someone that I didn't know well. Either asking for advice, offering advice, offering to help, making a connection for them, asking for a connection, just telling them I was thinking of them, giving them a really generous, interesting compliment they likely hadn't received. And that practice of sending one email every weekday to someone on the very edge of my network to build a stronger relationship with them really transformed the community around myself. And when you transform your community, you transform the opportunities your community can bring to you. And I saw that happening in my life. And then when I wrote an article about that experience in 2016 for Forbes, the article ended up going viral, which led to writing this book with McGraw-Hill called Reach Out, which is super tactical. It tells the story of building a business while also reaching out, but it's like every email template you could ever want, every subject line advice you could ever want. It's a short um, book that's meant to like sit on your desk. So you can refer back to it easily. And, and that's really what reach out was as a book eventually became a course co-run with the amazing Carly Valancey, And that course is called the reach out party. And we run that uh, twice a year for people that want to go through a live experience around the course in the book. Mm -hmm. And so
1: it's just this, this practice and sending an email. um, And it was because who, you know, is, and is so important.
0: who you know, and who knows you. I know a lot of people, but they don't know about me yet. (laughs) So the reach out is trying to bridge that gap. And the easiest way to bridge that gap is to go back to your original question, following up. I'm sure if I had sent you one LinkedIn message, I was like, hey, maybe my business is a fit for what you do. You'd be like, okay, interesting. But unless I kept following up with other ways to add value, I don't, maybe we would, because it turns out we have some friends in common, but maybe we wouldn't have like been maybe our whole lives have been building this to this podcast conversation. Who knows? I don't know. The future is unwritten.
1: I'm excited for it. Me too. Uh, And and before the book, um, you also had a blog uh, Mm. and the blog had three simple ideas associated with it. Um, And, you know, really ahead of the curve with, with blogging. Um, Talk to us a little bit about how A blog or personal projects uh, has kind of elevated your your portfolio career or your unique lifestyle design?
0: Um, I will say the best thing I ever did in my life was start projects where I didn't report into anyone else and started lots of projects in college and even before college that were just my own. Some were successful, some were not. The blog was my first, the blog was called smart, pretty awkward, three pieces of advice every workday, how to be smarter, how to be prettier, how to be less awkward at a time when blogging was very new and interesting. And, um, that blog really changed my professional life in many ways. And I, even when I was doing the blog, the blog was never my full-time job. I always had like more traditional nine to fives, but having a, having a project that I owned end-to-end was really helpful for me led to lots of other things. But even if it hadn't, having a project where only you own for a little bit of time, Messy FM was sort of like my own project that I owned while I was working at other companies. And then over time, Messy FM is now my full-time job. However, I still have little side projects that I do, some that get off the ground, some that don't but just having a project that you own, that you don't have to ask permission from anyone. It, it might not change your professional life or your life as a whole, but it could. And regardless of whether it does or not, it shows you, you can. And I, I think we need to get in the habit of not asking for permission and just starting projects without asking for permission is really good for the majority of us.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've seen it with this podcast of just, um, you know, there's, I'd say people had say like, why do you keep doing this? Or, you know, what's the, what's the ROI or what's the benefit, or there's millions of other podcasts that are out there. Why do you keep doing this? And it's, for me, it's just week by week. And I think it's the practice of reaching out, uh, the practice of having a great conversation and then sharing it and rinse and repeat is, um, fueling and also kind of like, like cleansing in a weird way. Um, so obviously podcasting is important to you as well. Um, you've experimented with some podcasts as well. And so, so after the blog, uh, Mm -hmm. you kind of moved into a little bit more on the podcasting, talk to us a little bit about if someone wanted to have their personal project be a podcast, what, what do you think are some of the, the benefits of podcasting?
0: One of the reasons I moved into podcasting is because I enormously benefited from the blogging revolution, but I benefited as a content creator. And when I saw that podcasting was replacing blogging in like 2015, 2016, I wanted to be part of the technology side of it. So I do experiment with podcasts of my own. I've started lots of shows, done seasons of lots of different types of shows Um, because I like the medium. But what I really like about being in podcasting is that I own a piece of the technology and that's what Messy FM, it's it's a software solution. Why do I think people should jump into audio? I think it just always makes sense to be a first mover, to be an early adopter. And we're still at the place where you're an early adopter for podcasting, for starting it now. And starting a podcast allows you what you just said, It allows you practice reaching out to people that you know. It allows you to learn some easy and learnable, but important technology skills around being able to edit, being able to, you know, even things like resizing show art or figuring out what a hosting platform is, learning what the term RSS is, all stuff that you can learn in a half an hour. But once you learn it, you know it forever. And then I also think that the main reason that you should start a podcast is because if it's an interview style show, two things are true. The first thing is nobody will ever know your analytics, but you. Podcasting analytics are private. You start an Instagram account. Everyone can see on day zero that you have 23 followers and they see on you know day two, you have 22 followers. Like Those analytics are public, which can be very stressful for new creators, where on podcasting, those analytics are private to you as a creator. You act like your show has a million followers. Nobody can tell you different. I'm on your show right now. I have no idea how many people this is going out to. I personally think it's 5 million, but how would I ever know? I don't. And so being analytics, being private is great for a new podcaster. But the second reason to start a show is because it gives you an excuse to reach out to people that can hire you, can pass you projects, can mentor you, that you can mentor, can be friends, It gives you a great excuse to build relationships with other people within your field that you want to build relationships in. Example I always give, if someone's listening to this podcast and they want to move into journalism, seems like it's a great time to do an eight-episode series called Interviews with, you live in Milwaukee, Milwaukee's best journalists. Choose eight prominent local journalists, invite them onto your hyper-local show, have a great 45-minute conversation with them. At the end of it, you follow up, you build a relationship. And then three months from now, when you want to work for them, hey, you're on my podcast. Here's my resume. I saw you've been opening in your newsroom. Like that's how things get done is by building relationships and then asking for them. And, but your way to build a relationship is to have someone on your podcast.
1: Love that. Um, it, it It seems sim- similar to blogging and similar to emailing. It's like these things that are not that hard, but it's like the consistency um, or the, the doing them, um, that that's where the benefits come, come from. Is that kind of how you, do you kind of see, okay, what are the things that are, you mentioned kind of being early to a platform or early to a technology, but have you always tried to like, say what's kind of easy projects that I can do and keep going and that the benefits are from continuing to do them or talk to us a little bit about that kind of stuff.
0: I think the hardest part of life is consistency. It is really easy to do something once. Well, it is really hard to do it. Consistency consistently. Look at the United States. We sent a man to the moon. Haven't been able to do it again. Like it's hard to be consistent. It's hard to, it's really easy. I could go for a run right now or on the block. Chances of me doing it again tomorrow, much lower. I can eat really well for one meal. Not for the next. Consistency is like the biggest challenge I think almost every person creates, and that spills over into content creation. To bring this home for podcasting, one of the things I I recommend for people to help with consistency is to start with the end in mind. So know that you are going to do like an eight episode first season. That way you can plan out a content arc for those eight episodes. You know that, okay, this is my sixth episode, my seventh, I'm coming towards the end. And also it avoids the problem of like, if you announce, hey, everyone, I'm doing a podcast. And then after two months, you're like, oh, my podcast is over. Sometimes people are like, hmm, I I guess she didn't really stick with it. But if you announce, hey, this is season one of my podcast, new episodes dropping every week till the end of the summer. And then at the end of the summer... You're absolutely loving it, having, having a total blast. Hey everyone, season two will be back next week. Can't wait for you to hear our new intro music. You can roll right into season two if you want to take a break. Hey everybody, thanks so much for being part of season one. Follow me on social and you can see when our next episode drops. So, you know, we're, we're talking about projects people are doing. I'm in the I'm in the middle of like a one of a, a project I'm doing right now. It, and I was thinking I wanted to do 20 pieces of content before I launched it, because I wanted to make sure that I had some like consistency before I launched it. So that's another strategy to really batch all the work. So when you do announce it, you already like have set yourself up to be consistent, but I just think it's hard to be consistent. And if you're a content creator or a person struggling with being consistent, it's an issue I struggle with too. I think most, I honestly think most people do. It's hard to always be consistent.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I've loved with, um, uh, I've I've tried to have a little bit of a reach out type of practice. Um, Hmm. and I think one of the things that I've, um, that I've realized is, and I guess it's, I'm wondering if it's a way to apply to these other areas too, is like the more that you do it, then the feelings of failure or rejection, um, kind of go away. Um, so I'm wondering, it's probably, maybe it's similar in, in other areas as well too. just like more and more reps makes it so much easier for whatever that new, Getting a trying for a new job, um, selling to a certain industry, um, etc.
0: A hundred percent more and more reps make you at least it the project usually takes up less mental space in your head if you've done it before. I also think, you know, I struggle with focus. I it's hard for me to sit at my computer for a long period of time. Like we're talking for an hour. I have written in my Thing from one to one ten, I am gonna be just off screens doing something else because I know that I can't go into something else. I, I, it, it's really hard for me to sit on my computer for more than an hour, but I know that about myself. So I plan my day the night before and I break it down into tiny little steps. And sometimes my steps, you might laugh at this, but this works for me. Nine to nine o five, open the Google Doc. Nine o five to nine ten write down three sentences. Like if you make them tiny little steps, I do think that that can help with consistency. If you're just like taking these big tasks, like, hey, do a podcast episode in an hour, that's hard. But if you're like, hey, in the first five minutes, I'm gonna think of a name in the next five minutes and you write that down. And then if you're someone like me that gets a thrill of checking things off a list, you get to check things off the list. Like I'm the person that writes get up on my list and then I check it off when I'm awake. Like, but that's the kind of, you have to, the older I get, the more I think that the secret to life is just knowing yourself. Like we talk about, you know, when I'm when I'm thinking about my own like unique life design, my ULD, I often think about just have to know myself and and create a life that works for me. One thing I know about myself is I I don't like to be managed, and that's why I think entrepreneurship is a good fit for me doesn't mean that I can't be managed. I've had a nice career in corporate. I do do projects with other people where I'm reporting into them. I have clients, which in a lot of ways is having a manager, but I also know that that's, that wouldn't make me as happiest as I could be. And when we talk about our unique life design, what I'm optimizing for is a feeling of contentment when I go to sleep at the end of the day and working for someone else all the time, doesn't necessarily bring me that.
1: Yeah. Love that. Um, Your company Messy has kind of pivoted a little bit from being for creators, and then now to the to the enterprise. Um, For somebody that is trying to be, call it, a consultant or an advisor for companies or selling to companies, um, what what advice would you give them?
0: Mm. Okay. Here's some advice. Here's some advice that I don't think I would have been able to give you a year and a half ago. But I really, one thing, so um, you're 100% right. When Messy first started, we were really going after individuals that wanted to start podcasts. And then about two years ago, we saw a big space for enterprises that wanted to do internal private podcasts integrated within their employee internet through white-labeled apps, password protected. We kept our software largely the same, but built additional security features. We were lucky that we already had a client on board that was using us On the public side, wanted to pivot to private. That put us on a whole new path. We still support our individual creators, but going out into the world, we mostly focus. We sell into the Fortune 100. We mostly focus on that audience. And I have found that I really enjoy sales, and I never would have thought that I enjoyed it a year and a half ago. So, if you are a consultant or you are someone that's selling into an enterprise. I would stop and ask yourself, do I enjoy sales? Because if you don't enjoy sales, consulting is a hard life because that's majority of the life is like a mix of playing hardball and schmoozing to get sales. One thing that I did that was really helpful is when I realized Messy was pivoting more into like one-to-one relationships, doing enterprise software deals is I took a course from Northwestern a sales course. It was four months long, learned so much about how to sell. And we have a sales team at Messy. So I'm not necessarily the only person selling, but I manage the sales team. And then I often come in, especially for bigger demos or bigger software walkthroughs and learn, falling in love with sales has been something that was very unexpected. And I think if somebody has the bug to be a consultant, like you're asking in your question, I think that they could fall in love with sales too. And if they fall in love with sales, which the only way, the way to fall in love with sales is just to understand the selling terms and then sell something because then you'll get this like rush of excitement. I think once you fall in, in love with sales, your consulting career is like off to the races. You already know your subject matter stuff. I already know how to podcast cold but sales was the part that was missing.
1: Got it, and the course helped, cool.
0: Um, the other thing I would say is if you're selling into enterprises, I think it if you can try to be a solution that is either not a winner take all, so the enterprise can use multiple competing solutions, or a brand new offering. I do think when you're selling into enterprise, if they're looking at like vendor scorecards, it can be hard to replace an existing solution. They typically have multi-year contracts, but if you're offering something new, or you can come along complementary complimentary services, try to pivot your offering. So it's not necessarily in direct competition and you're trying to win work away from an existing vendor. Cause that can just take a really long time related to that enterprise sales cycles are long and you have to like prepare your cash for a long sales cycle. All
1: right. Um, Well, we talked about a lot of actionable career growth ideas, uh, reaching out, um, consistency, following up, um, podcasting. Um, As somebody who sometimes takes simple ideas seriously, um, is there any other actionable ideas that um, you think that we missed, Molly?
0: Hmm. Yeah. Here's an idea I'm really hot on recently. I think you got to take your work email off your phone. I think like that's the secret to happiness is work email off your phone. And I think it can still be on your desktop. I think you can still check it, but I don't think you want it on your phone. And I will say something that's worked enormously well at messy. Messy is a team of seven. We don't, as a company, we do not send emails outside of nine to five. I do work outside of nine to five. It's it's my company. I work on it a lot, but I don't send emails to my team outside of those. I schedule them to go out the next day and I don't send emails to clients after those time either. Cause this is their, this is their time too. And I would say no work email on my phone and nine to five email rules only have dramatically transformed my life. I, I think it's a benefit of working at messy. That's what I hear from people that work from us. Right now, as you're listening to this podcast, just open up your work email and just delete the application off your phone and see what will change in your life. Nothing bad will happen, but you will get so much happier. We don't need it on our phone. If someone really needs you, they can call you.
1: Uh, phone call? Who
0: knew? In 2021. We have 24-hour email and phone support. So people do call, like the calls get after hours, they get rerouted to me. Occasionally I get an email from a customer that has a question and then just answer it on my phone. But I really think, don't you think you would, don't you think that your life would be improved if you didn't get work emails to your phone?
1: Mine are blended. So I have to think about mm. how to Okay,
0: think about yeah, it.
1: Yeah. But I, I love that, that I actual idea for, for Doesn't it stress people?
0: you out sometimes when you're like going to bed or you're like watching friends and then you get an email that's like not urgent, but it's like, has to be in your brain all night. Like I, yeah. that. Right.
1: It's a good one. All right, Molly. Uh, Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Please let listeners know where they can follow up, learn more, how to reach out.
0: Mm, Thank you so much for having me on your show. Would love to talk to any of your listeners. I am Miss Molly Beck, M-S-M-O-L-L-Y Beck, B-E-C-K, on all social platforms. My company is messy.fm, www.messy.fm. You can always shoot me an email. I'm Molly, M-O-L-L-Y, at messy.fm. And just really grateful to be on your show, David. I think you're you're really building something very special here, and I'm honored to be a guest on it.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Molly. Hey, friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.